Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's The Big Show. Is everybody ready? It's Thirsty Thursday. Happy Thursday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Wow, we haven't got the uh, the siren for a while. What's going on? I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm present. Is Gordon with us? We can I do the here. news. Okay. So, all right. I haven't heard the siren in a while, and usually the siren is some sort of indication something is going wrong. Uh, Jake with you here today on the big show from our Carrier's Own Studios at Vivid Arena. Austin Horton across the glass for me. Safely social distancing from Casa de Monson, the one, the only, Gordon Monson. Gordon, hello. Hello, Jake. What's going on, man? Just, uh, just having some fun. Just, uh, you know, studying the sports world. And I, I know we got lots to get to, but I saw that the Philly media was on uh, Jalen Hurts for, uh, for him wearing an Astros, Astros gear because he's from Houston, and uh, they were picking on him about that. And I thought, wait a minute. I mean, is that is what if what? Do any of the jazz players wear gear from other teams? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Uh, you ever seen, uh, well, uh, Donovan wears the Mets stuff. Yeah, I've seen Rudy wear some French soccer gear. Yeah, Darren Williams used to wear cowboy stuff all the time. Yeah, he was. A cowboy Maybe you guy. can get away with that stuff more here, where there isn't there. If there were, if there were, a, a, if there were a team in every league here and a player was wearing gear from another team that was uh you know competitive with a team here but, then maybe that would create something justin fields plays football so what's the problem with him wearing a baseball jersey jalen hurts uh oh i thought you said justin fields sorry yeah. uh just because still Philly is Philly and they they're territorial about that kind of thing I, I okay I that's I, stupid it is stupid, and there are better things to get worked up over. Uh, but I'll say this. I mean, if it were me, I would assume that uh, the majority of Eagles fans out there will probably overlap into the Philly fandom, and I'd yeah. pick a different hat. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's obviously part of the point. But anyway, uh, I, you know, I just wondered about that. It, it made me think, even though there's not a – I guess if maybe one of the Jazz players wore a different MLS team – <laughs> a, a sounders hat maybe people would get uh, bent out of shape i, I don't i don't know so, so to, do do uh do philly uh eagles fans get mad when mike trout wears an eagles jersey probably not do phillies fans well no, 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 uh, it, i'm not it, seeing the tie in what? this case it would be like rams fans do they get mad when yeah when because he, the, he should be representing he's like, from the, the there hunt. Yeah, which in Hertz case he's from Houston as well. I just think can it Phillies fans? Wow. Why don't you complain about Bryce Harper taking all your money and sucking? He does suck. 
Uh, but why, oh, why is can't... that really is that really where we're going here right now? I mean, you think another hack at Bryce Harper? Well, just because he he knows the best, he's the best to know about hacks. He's a great player. I, mm. I don't know. Which no, he's an average. Great marketer. He's not average. He's, a- he's above average. average. Come on. He might not be worth what he's making, but he's still a great baseball player. He's okay. <laughs> yes. You know, he, he has this big personality, and all of a sudden everybody thinks he's good. Ooh, he hit the ball a long way. Yeah, he struck out. He won to... the home run derby <laughs> with his dad pitching. You guys, I give you this. You're consistent. Consistently he got married in the temple. <laughs> Consistently right. He What's married that? a BYU soccer player. That's why people around here like him. Doesn't he uh, have some sort of distaste for BYU, though? Hasn't he said that before? Yeah, openly. Yeah, Yeah. all right. Uh, well, he's, gone... from, he's from Vegas, so, I mean, you know. I know, but he's made comments that he uh, openly doesn't like BYU. Correct. I just don't understand why you guys got to pile on Bryce Harper. When oh, he plays it's for, for it, the baseball team for which I root. It's I, not. I, I, it's I, not. I, it's that I don't root. think. I'm not piling on. It's just that he's not good. I mean, it's just. It's <laughs> just kind good. of a, a plain statement of of how I perceive that baseball player. All right. Let's uh, just, that uh, that for which you root. That That's... the the Expos actually got better. The Expos when he left. Now I'm mad at both of you. <laughs> I uh, I grew up a Phillies fan, man. I rooted for that team uh, for a long, long time. And then you so, quit on them. No, I didn't quit on them. I just quit on them. They, they haven't qualified for the postseason within nine straight seasons. I mean, it's <laughs> doesn't stop me from liking the Angels. Wait, don't they have a World <laughs> Series victory sometime in the last what, fifteen years? Yeah, they do. Yeah, so um, it's not like they're. It's not like you're you're cheering for the lovable losers there. I mean, they're you know. Those Ryan Howard years were were pretty good. Well, they were lean years when when I was a kid for the Phils. So they blew that big lead they had in '64, and uh, that was uh, I think Gene Mock was the manager back then, and it all sort of fell apart on them. But then they weren't really all that good again until the '70s, uh, and uh, they had a nice run. Uh, won the World Series in 1980. With uh, you know, you know who the uh, the pitcher was on the mound when the Phillies clinched the World Series that year. His son is a country singer. Tug. Uh, Tug McGraw was the pitcher on the mound that day. Oh, I was going to say Waylon Jennings' dad. (laughs) Oh, brother. Anyway. Well, thank you for that complex history lesson. We appreciate that. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, I grew up a Phillies fan. But are no you? longer one, though. That was the point. Well, I kind of am. I just, uh, I'm not much of a fan all the way around, and so that has had an effect on me. But I still, uh, in my heart of hearts, root for the Phillies. Mm, I see. Okay. Uh, we do have a lot to do today, uh, Gordon. We're going to talk a lot of uh, college football. We're going to talk uh, a lot of NBA basketball. We'll even talk some college basketball. Uh, Jordan Pendleton is going to be on the show, the top three o'clock hour. Jonathan Tavernari will join us at four, and our guy Dirk Facer jumps on with us at uh, five. Dirk has a new writing gig. We'll talk to him about and uh, get his thoughts on on the Ute game against the Buffs. So busy day, Gordon. Yeah, sounds good, man. That's a lot of sports going on right now, and uh, some of it is 
is uh, good news, and some of it is sort of shrouded in the difficulties of the day, but that's sort of what we're dealing with, right? We haven't been doing that in a long, long time. What did you say? <laughs> what did you call the summer? <laughs> the, the dust bowl of sports radio, yeah. <laughs> it kind of was, wasn't it? I mean, holy cow. Usually anyway. summers are a bit slow uh, around here, which is usually not that big a deal because we can come up with topics and, and drive some things, and sports is, is a year-round uh, type of thing nowadays. But I'll, I'll tell you what, when, when everything is shut down and uh, you have no idea when it's not going to be shut down, uh, sometimes digging's a little tough in the old oh, topic we world. We had fun. We had fun. I don't know if summer. I'd call it fun, but we made it through. I, I thought it was fun. What was it, March to the end of July, essentially? Right. <laughs> That's a just, long summer. Just nothing. Just zero. All right. Uh, we've got big news. Uh, in fact, let's get to the split story of the day, and we'll, we'll talk about it. It's kind of been breaking uh, a little bit within the last hour. Austin, why don't you hit it? Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Yeah, you know, we, we have had some some continuing dialogue for, for the last several weeks, as, as we always do, and, and just talking about you know, the state of the program and the, uh, you know, uh, where, where we stood. Uh, obviously, the, the results of the first three games uh, are, are less than desirable for anybody affiliated with Aggie football. We agreed, said, hey, now it's probably better off to do it now, um, you know, with, with Frank coming in as the interim head coach. And, and Frank, you know, was able to do that very successfully for a bowl game two years ago. And, uh, you know, just uh, just a, a restart for the program and, and get it on the right track. John, how do you – all right, that was John Hartwell on, uh, what was it, a couple weeks ago, Austin? Uh, November 9th with Hanson Scotty. It appears as if the Aggies have made a coaching hire for their football program, Gordon, according to uh, various outlets, most of which are down in Arkansas. Arkansas State football head coach Blake Anderson has resigned and will accept the head coaching job at Utah State. Blake Anderson. There you go, Gordon. Yeah, so uh, I wonder what it is about the Utah State job that is so intriguing to him, and I wonder what it is about him that is so intriguing to Utah State. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I, I really have no idea. I mean, Hartwell has some ties uh, going back to that part of the country. Um, you know, I, I think if I read the, the tea leaves correctly that he wanted this to be his hire, his guy. Um, he had said before he wanted to find uh, the, the football version of Craig Smith. Of course, uh, Gordon, we kind of didn't see that hire coming, and it turned out to be um, to be pretty good. So uh, he will we'll see if Blake Anderson can come back or come in and and uh, do a good job. He's been a good coach at Arkansas State. They're not having a good year this year, but he's been a pretty good coach there overall. And um, you know, he's coming to Logan. Very very different parts of the country, that's for sure. I remember when Arkansas State was one of the worst teams in the country way back when, you know. I mean, they seem to have done a good job in uh, rearranging the fortunes of that particular football program. So uh, we'll see what he can do at Logan. Now, this is the tricky part. When you hire somebody like that from someplace else, if it's a long-time hire, 
then how long will it take for him to get up to speed as far as recruiting, as far as building a program? I mean, I can hear Ute fans now saying, well, Urban Meyer came in and he didn't have to get all that acclimated. You know, he 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 did a pretty good job with the Utes, but that was over a two-year period, and it was with Max players. So I wonder how it will go moving forward at Utah State. Because when Gary Anderson first went to Logan, he had a plan in, in place, and he knew the area, and he knew the coaches, and he was going to recruit Utah hard. What does this particular individual know about how to build not a football program, but Utah State's program? Yeah, because uh, where Utah State is now and where Utah was when Urban came are, are different things. I know I'm not sure how much talent is, is left up there. And uh, I would guess that uh, you'll see more players leaving the program because that often happens uh, when you have a coaching change. And, it, of course, uh, with the transfer portal, it's easier now than it's, uh, than it's ever been. So it'll be – uh, I would guess he's going to be building from the ground up a little bit. So that's the type of situation uh, I think Utah State finds itself in at the moment. Yeah, uh, and and you know I'm not saying he can't do it, and coaches can come in to a new environment and and build something. Uh, you know they usually have had success in the past, and this, a lot of that stuff is applicable. I just don't know how well he knows this area, and is he going to recruit a bunch of players from the areas from that he is familiar with? Because remember uh, when Brent Guy took that job, Gordon, he yeah. he completely ignored the local recruiting. And uh, I think the vast majority was uh, was all from California. So what kind of recruiting strategy? I think that's – I think you're 100% right. I think that's at the heart of whether Anderson comes in and, and succeeds or fails. And Utah State has done its fair share. I mean, they've built out of Utah, yeah, but it's it's, it's gotten some nice players out of Texas and uh, in other places through the years. So, I mean, it's a, nice, it's a mix. You have to go with a mix. And uh, But I just don't know his – is uh, you know his awareness of what uh, what the football situation is here. If if I were him and I was taking this job, I think I'd I think I'd be getting to know the high school football coaches around the state uh, as quickly as I could. And then of course, if he's got connections around the country that will help the Aggies continue to to uh, well or, or at least rebuild, then then good on him. Uh, but I I just don't know. A lot of parents out there right now with with kids who are pretty good athletes who want to play college football are probably wondering what this guy knows or doesn't know about football here. And, um, you know, we'll see how he does and, and comes in. He's done a good job at Arkansas State, uh, like I said, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he's got a plan uh, in Logan. But I, I've, I've got to say, I thought Jay Hill was a real – good fit for that program and he could take what he did at Weber State up to Logan and and probably uh, apply it uh, quite easily and I uh, you know I like Jay too Gordon he's got a history with the with the station going back uh, a long long way um, so I was uh, admittedly rooting for him to get that gig uh, if he wanted it of course and uh, I think his resume is pretty darn good with what he's done there at Weber State so they went a different direction than Jay I, th- I think Jay would have done a really nice job there. Did you see the quote that uh, Scotty sent out a while back? Uh, it was a, actually he retweeted something. Um, let me just read it. It's 
It says, uh, this is from George Stoyer, is it Stoyer or Stola? I don't know. Anyway, he says, as Blake Anderson leaves Arkansas State, all I can think about is this quote he gave me back in August before the season, wishing him the best of luck and hope he finds what he's looking for. And the quote that he passes along is from from, uh, Blake Anderson. Can I stay here and do this when everything in Jonesboro reminds me of Wendy? Hmm. Wow. His wife was, he lost his wife to cancer. And wow, what a, boy, that, that gets you right there in the heart. Yeah. Holy cow. You yeah. know? So certainly something you can, you can sympathize with too. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. And, and maybe in his personal case, you know, Logan being so different uh, might be a good thing. New adventure, you know, somewhere else uh, creating new memories. I certainly can get that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that may be motivation to go someplace else. And uh, and Utah State, I think. How would you rank Utah State as uh, as far as being a uh, kind of an admirable job opportunity? Oh man, it, you know it, it depends on how you look at it. I suppose. I mean, how many D one jobs are there? You know, hundred and thirty, yeah. <laughs> hundred and thirty, whatever, hundred and thirty two, something like that. I mean. So you're at the top of your craft if you have one of those jobs, even one of the bad ones. Um, but Utah State, I mean, you know, I think they're a mid-level G5 job. You'd have to look at the – you'd probably have to look at the salary structure too. You know, they're not going to pay their coach uh, the most in their league. Um, not as long as they're there with, uh, with Boise State likely, right? So I would, I would say it's one of the hmm, top five jobs in the Mountain West. Okay. Does that sound right to you? Do you disagree yeah. with that? No, no. Okay. Well, uh, uh, Boise State would be highly thought of. I think San Diego State. Uh, what, what else would be anything else above Utah State? Um, I think, you know, Fresno often has potential. Um, Got to live in Fresno. Yeah, but, uh, you know, Jeff Tedford uh, did pretty well. It, it, this, this, this whole idea is really interesting to me from this standpoint. Do you hire a guy that you think is on his way and is a bright up-and-comer, or do you hire someone who you think can build your program over the long haul and not use you as a stepping stone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, like something like they had in Stu Morrill, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great example. Who wants to come in, uh, be happy with uh, a life in Logan and, and stick around for a little bit? You know, because living in a, a college mountain town could be pretty sweet, you know? I, I you know, I, I'm still pondering the question. Because uh, I guess on the one side, you could hear Ute fans saying, hey, Urban Meyer used uh, Utah as a stepping stone, and the program greatly benefited from it. Uh, on the other hand, if I'm doing the higher Unless I'm a short timer, and I don't, I don't know what Hartwell's thoughts are, but if I would want somebody who would want to be where the school is, and I know that's maybe is that maudlin, is that uh, territorial, is that what is that? Uh, but but I would want somebody. Remember when uh, Bo Schembechler said, uh, "What did he say about uh, who was the coach who was flirting with other other places?" And he said he wanted a Michigan man coaching a basketball team. I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, do you want do you want somebody who wants to be where you are? Do you want someone who's just going to use you to bounce somewhere else? That's that's the question. I I'd, I'd prefer somebody who wanted to stick around. 
Well, I think it's, uh, you, you mentioned Urban Meyer, pretty interesting that Utah went with uh, an up-and-comer for one hire, and the very next they went completely the opposite way. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I, I like the Kyle Whittingham formula a little better. I want somebody who wants to represent my university, and I want somebody who is who intends to do that. And uh, the problem is that a lot of the hot young coaches, they're, they're all about, man, I, they want to get to the big time. They want to get the big paycheck. That's what, that's what they're there for. That's what they want to do. And then there are others who, who want to build a program and stay there forever. Lavelle Edwards is a great example of that. You know, Lavelle could have made a whole lot more money going somewhere else, and he was happy where he was. So can, uh, that's probably a fairly rare bird, don't you think? Well, I, I mean, it's not really an industry you get comfortable in, right? It's actually not uh, that unfamiliar to uh, to like media jobs and, and sports radio in particular. I mean, the, the the constant drive to you know get better is is crucial for a coach, right? And so the the motivations then become real. You know, you, you But can't you be motivated and stay in the yes, same place? Yes, 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 you can. But I mean different people are wired differently. I, I think no more so uh, comparison than say Kyle Whittingham and Urban Meyer, who Urban was was addicted to the drama, right? Or addicted to the the rise to the point where the longest he ever stayed anywhere was Ohio State for, you know, however many years before for whatever reason, different reasons at different jobs, you know, the star burns out. And he ends up uh, going somewhere else, whereas Kyle Whittingham has found a way to keep his program sharp uh, over the long haul, which is something that is extraordinarily rare in college football. You can't, you know, look at what uh, Coach Witt uh, has done and say, well, uh, let's go find that because it's one in a a thousand. I mean, how many coaches have been hired and fired in in D1 college football over the tenure that Coach Witt's been at Utah? thousands yes. you know <laughs> uh-huh. it's it's remarkable so i i think it's a fascinating conversation but i uh, i don't think there's really a right answer yeah well maybe there yeah there's no right there could be uh, contradictory right answers uh i think i would prefer uh, it's like, like the question that we ask sometimes jake would you rather have 10 years of stellar play or not, you know, eight years of kind of good play and uh, a year of uh, absolute premium play, uh, just where you are at the top, at the very top for a shorter period of time. Which would you prefer if you're a fan? I don't know. I bet you a lot of you fans wouldn't trade those two years with of Urban Meyer, you know? Yeah, I suppose that was, those were heady days, man. I remember going to those bowl games. And uh, it was pretty exciting for yeah. the program. Totally changed the program. Completely changed the fan base, even. I wonder, okay, so what would have happened if Mack had stayed on as coach there and then decided he wanted to retire and Kyle Whittingham had been uh, elevated to that job? Would would the Utah football program look like it does now without the Urban Meyer years? Hmm. I don't know the answer. I don't know. That's uh, that's that's really difficult. I mean, because the the momentum that they got from that 03-04 season. I I mean, it so do you think the 08, rela- the 08 result was because of 04? Yes, I do, one hundred percent. And I think the huh. energy injected into the fan base has had long, long lasting effects. How rocking was Rice Stadium 
or you know early years of Rice Eccles Stadium compared to how it is now? Would that, you know, without that energy that uh, was injected in such a short period of time? Maybe we should ask Brian Johnson that question someday. Because he was he he came to Utah when Urban was the head coach, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he played a bit of a role in uh, Utah's undefeated season in '08. So, I you know I don't I, I don't know, man. That that's a good question. Well, how about for this too? To think about to think about for a second. I don't think Coach Witt would be the coach he is now if Urban Meyer had not made that stop in Utah either. And he's admitted as much. He he still talks to Urban Meyer today and took a lot from what he brought to the program. Hmm. Yeah, so you can live and learn. And the uh, overall positive effect on a program can linger even after the carpetbagger is gone. So, yeah, I mean, right down to the, you know, this is a really simple example, uh, Gordon, but uh, they still do it to this day, to my knowledge. The pit, you know what I'm talking about? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where if you're uh, not able to to practice uh, because of a you know a lingering injury or something, that they'll find a calisthenic for you to do <laughs> that will uh, not affect that injury. Essentially, uh, uh, incentivizing you to practice. <laughs> How do you like doing push-ups in the dirt in the hot sun? Man, I'm still thinking about your question about would Kyle Whittingham be the coach that he is today if he hadn't had the two years under Urban Meyer? Huh. No way of knowing. I mean, he could have grown into that, that same role. Yeah, you he never know. But yeah. I'm sure he learned a lot. I mean, at least he's he's uh, talked about how he's learned a lot. All right. But stay- do you think do you think Utah fans love the fact that Kyle Whittingham has stuck around for all these years? Oh, I'm sure they do. Absolutely. I mean, he's had a lot of success. He's done a good job. Or do you think some wish that uh, they had made the change and and uh, maybe someone else out there somewhere would have won a Pac-12 title? Yeah, but that's the kind of thinking that uh, BYU had when they forced Norm Chow and Lavelle into retirement only to hire uh, <laughs> Gary Crowton. Gary uh, Crowton. Crowton, as uh, who was it? John Robinson used to call him, which I thought was <laughs> extremely disrespectful. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. All right. So, you know, be careful what you wish for. There's been a lot of that going on lately. There has? Being careful what you wish for. Yeah. Like what? Like BYU playing Car- Coastal oh, Carolina. Oh, Carolina. I've st- I still think they're happy they played that game. They should be. It was a heck of a game. Even with the loss. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're not going right. to have this argument again because it, it no, didn't go anywhere need, the no last need. time. All right, stay tuned. More Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. (laughs) Band of the day today, the Cordettes. Selected by me and brought to you by our friends at Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. 
My three-year-old is obsessed with the cordettes. Sure the she is, Jake. No. Sure she is. She, she just learned the word lollipop, and so I played her the song lollipop, and now she sings the song lollipop all the time. And uh, I found this video online of the cordettes singing on some old TV show where they sang that <laughs> song and lollipop. And she just wants to she she just wants to watch it everywhere. You buying this, Gordon? Because Jake Slynn always tells me the more details someone gives you, the more likely it is that they're lying. No, I'm just reeling from the fact that uh, that Jake's three year old Sadie is uh, picking the music for our <laughs> yeah. She's done that a lot, show. actually. She's she's done that quite a bit. I, I mean, uh, I like her music better than yours. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, no, I, I actually used that co- video of the Cordettes to bribe her to go to the potty yesterday. And? <laughs> it worked like a dream. Well, maybe It was I like, hey, to... maybe you should go potty. And she was like, I don't want to. And I said, we're getting ready for bed, so it's probably a pretty good idea. How about I let you watch the Cordettes video? And she's like, okay. On it. You know, Gordon's right. I do have bad taste in music. It's true. My daughter's, though, is impeccable. wonder if the Cordettes would take that as a compliment. Your music helps my daughter go to the bathroom. Yes. Of course. Of course. Why wouldn't they? Because they'd be like, our music is making somebody's life easier. Gotcha. Because I tell you what, Gordon, and I'm sure you remember this with your girls. You know, the moment that she discovered that she can put up some resistance, you know, that was like the worst moment ever in my parenthood so far. <laughs> well, get used to it. Because now all of a sudden it's like... Oh, I have to talk you into it or threaten you or whatever. I feel like I just threatened my kid all day. Well, they have minds of their own. They do. That's, that, that is that's a, the way it is. And that's <laughs> a good thing, ultimately. It's just that on the way from here to there, oh, it might uh, drive me a little nuts well, because uh, uh, But it's a privilege, right? Well, because I, uh, I'll tell you this, Gordon. We, we've been there where she goes, I don't want to go potty. And we say, okay. And then, you know, of course, we get ready for bed. She gets in bed. Good night. And then uh, the 30 seconds later, the I have to go potty comes from uh, her bedroom. And then, you know, oh. you're doing it all over again. So yep. uh, really, really uh, well, appreciate right. the, the cordettes and their fine rights. Being right's got nothing to do with it as a parent, you know. That. Oh, I, I'm always right. You know that. So we were either going to do the Cordettes or we were going to do Joe Cocker. Uh-huh. Is that that's yeah. what it came down to and today? Uh, and Austin picked uh, the Cordettes. And what was the song that he was so famous for singing at, uh, at Woodstock? Well, once again, Gordon, it's an example of uh, somebody doing a Beatles song better than the Beatles. Uh, it's with a little help from my friends. Okay, because I, the, the Joe Cocker song that first comes to my mind when I hear it was uh, when I was... In my younger days, uh, he sang, You Are So Beautiful. Yep. And that song is the first one that comes to my mind when I think of Joe Cocker because, uh, well, let's just say melodic is not the term that you would use to characterize that song. I like his rendition of that song. That's good. It's just, it's just, he's got that gravelly voice, you know, so anyway. All right, so it is the Cordettes. The, the Cordettes it is, Gordon. Quick jazz question for you. Maybe we can explore this a little bit more on the other side. We went a little long with the uh, the, the college football coaching talk, but um, what's going to happen with Rudy Gobert, Gordon? I don't know. I I just don't know. I I, I think the Jazz want him, and, uh, and and I think he wants to stay with the Jazz, but I, I, I think they're going to wrangle over the dollar figure. And I, that uh, who's right and who's wrong doesn't really matter. 
they just have to find common ground somewhere between the two. And uh, I think the Jazz would be well off doing that. But but Rudy Gobert is not uh, a supermax player, so I don't think the Jazz can go there, nor do I think they will. You know, I, I would be really curious to know exactly how far they are apart. Because in, in remember Sam Presti when he traded James Harden? They were something extremely minuscule uh, apart on the dollar figure. Do you remember what it was, Gordon? It was like four million bucks or something. It was like, it was like nothing. And uh, and they moved on from James Harden, which which seemed uh, kind of crazy to me when you when you saw the figures involved. So I I would be really curious to see how far apart uh, they are exactly, because you know they're looking years into the future, Gordon, and they they uh, are seeing exactly how much salary cap room those two players, their two pillars, are going to take up, and how much room they're going to have left to pay, and they have to balance that with how much more, or I guess how many higher-priced players they're going to have to surround them with. I mean, if Rudy and Donovan are good, that you can give them all of the money and surround them with a subpar cast and they'll still uh, you know, be in contention or whatever, then you do it. If you can't, and if they're not good enough by your estimation, then that makes it extremely, uh, extremely mm, difficult. Well, I like the way you framed that because that's a, that's a great way of looking at it. Are the two of them good enough to have that kind of expenditure and filled out by lesser players. And if they're not, then, then then maybe you roll the dice the other way. You have one star in Donovan Mitchell. So do you, do you uh, put together some collection of other types of players or do you look for another star player somehow? I, th- those are pretty rare in the league. They're hard to find. And I, so I, I don't know. I, this is what I wish. I wish that the Jazz and Rudy's camp, that the two of them would, would get down to brass taxes and figure out what the realistic number is and then meet there. Because if the Jazz are at a place, and I, I don't know this. This is just you and me talking here, speculating. But if the Jazz come in with a low offer that is – you know how Rudy is. If he views that as being disrespectful, I don't think that that's a useful way to negotiate this. Although that's the way negotiation works sometimes. These guys come in over here, and this uh, the other side comes in way up here. I see somebody's then, read the art of the deal. So, so then you know, I mean, it just seems like quit messing around with this and get get realistic right away. Because if the Jazz don't sign him before the season. Uh, Jake, <laughs> that uh, that is a that's a negative, negative, negative all the way around. And uh, if they're going to sign him, they need to sign him before the season starts. Because if they don't, then then you got a, an issue where he becomes an unrestricted free agent, and where are you going to go from there? And then you can't. If the Jazz know what Rudy wants, and if it's too much for them, then they should trade him. I wonder you know, what we've talked about. We've talked about this in the past. What happened with Gordon Hayward? They can't let that happen with Rudy Gobert. I wonder what the trade market for him would be. Hmm. I saw a ranking today, and and this is just a group of people's opinions, right? So it doesn't really mean anything. They had Rudy Gobert ranked as the 29th best player in the NBA. 29. I thought that was 
too low. Uh, and and if he's tw- if he really is twenty nine, then you can't come close to paying him what he's probably asking. Uh, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, Donovan Mitchell was twenty one on that list. You, uh, are you talking about the the ESPN list, or is this a different one? This is a different one. I think it's CBS Sports or something. Because Austin and I were talking about this before the show. I think those lists are so dumb, and I know everybody. I know everybody wants to talk about it, but I, I, that ESPN list had uh, uh, Zion Williamson at 20. Uh-huh. The guy's played yeah. like five NBA games and right. has won zero, and they put him at well, 20. Okay, but okay, whether whether it's ESPN or whether it's CBS Sports, whoever it is, it, the Jazz, I'm sure, have some idea of of where they would value him or evaluate him to be, and then assign a dollar figure to it as it pertains to their particular financial situation. Mm-hmm. And if if Rudy thinks he's way up here, and the Jazz say no, because if we do that, this is what's going to happen, they can project what's going to happen. Uh, they may not be right, but they can, they can you know, at least, w- it, that's their job is to evaluate these things. And I, I just I just hope they can come to reality, both sides. Uh, go to the best that the Jazz can offer on the Jazz side, and Rudy, get off that whole idea that you need a Supermax contract and come to where it's a whole lot of money either way. I mean, already his deal that he's just finishing up is over $100 million. I mean, so... Maybe it's easy for me to say, uh, who cares about an extra this, you know, ten million here or ten million there? But it, it, I mean, come on, really, should it really come, come down on. to that? Oh, uh, come on! It doesn't need to be uh, some you know protracted kind of deal where it's because uh, they got to get it done before the season. Would you agree with me on that? Uh, yeah. Well, let's let's dig into this a little. We're way over. Let's dig into this uh, okay. a little more coming up next. We've got Jordan Pendleton at three. It is the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hello, 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 hello there. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime. You're locked on to The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Sports Radio. What the hell are we listening to? If, if, if Gordon... We're not a, a journalist, all right? Remember, because Gordon famously likes to say he would have been a chef. I could see him more as a barbershop quartet kind of guy before <laughs> before a chef. I don't think so. I can see him in the outfits. Definitely see him in the outfits with the hat. Uh, yeah, but but I could see that before the chef thing. Uh, well, that was stylish back when I was younger. You know, that whole barbershop uh, quartet look. <laughs> All right, Gordon. So, so reset, uh, reset the direction you were going with the conversation. All right, we were talking about Rudy Gobert, whether the Jazz are going to sign him or not. Well, apparently, uh, Austin has done some crack research on this, and uh, he informs us that uh, the, the the Rudy's deal only has to be done before the start of the season if it's a supermax. Uh, if it's something less than that, then it, the negotiations can go on. 
but when I say they have to sign him before the season starts, it's not have to from a technical standpoint. It's, I think, have to for the benefit of player and, and franchise collectively. Do you agree with that? So you can make the argument that, well, if he, if he weren't signed, that he would be motivated to play hard and all this. But I think he's already motivated to play hard. And you don't want a situation like you suggested last year, Jake, where Rudy complained after a game that he wasn't getting the ball enough because you thought he might want to be impressing certain people. And I don't think that's in the Jazz's best interest. So I wouldn't necessarily agree with that take. I don't I, I don't vehemently disagree with it either. I don't feel like I said that. What do you agree with word. and what don't you uh, agree so with? So I, I think it's more important to get the number right than it is the timing. I think it's more important that the, the, the number is right um, for uh, the future of the Utah Jazz than it is the short term of let's make Rudy feel good going well, into but, but the season. But what are they going to learn that they don't already know about Rudy Gobert? It's not about learning. It's about timing to, to get to a deal or not get to a deal. It's more important that they get to the right deal than it is the, the timing but they, of it. What, what's the right deal? Well, we've been talking about that for months, Gordon. What? What is it? And your take has always been, well, not the Supermax, but, uh, you know, enough. Yeah. And that's not specific at all. It's not specific, but, I mean, when you say the right number, uh, okay, why can't you get the right number before the season starts? Because the Jazz opinion of the right number and the Gobert (laughs) camp's opinion of the right number are not the same. So well, I don't know how to make it the same. That's my point. Come what, on. What kind of find point a cons- is that? Find, find the consensus. Okay. You don't think they're trying? Well, no. Yes, I think they're trying. But so, get it done. Get it done get it now. Done. Get, it, get it done sooner rather than later. Because if you, if you drag it out over the long haul, then it's going to be a distraction. Yeah, it is. And, and I'm saying that uh, being able to negotiate to the right number is more important than the the distraction part of it all. And you know what? If they don't come together on the right number to, you know, either party's satisfaction, then you've, in my opinion, then you've got to move off Rudy. So as long as you figure out your answer before the trade deadline, that's fine with me. All right. I, I, I think there's too much at stake early in the season. It's too important. The Jazz have some really nice pieces in place. And I think on the whole, they've been sort of undervalued. Last year, maybe they were overvalued by, by the national media. Uh, I, I think the Jazz are better than some people nationally think they are. And uh, they've got an opportunity, I think, to, to do what Donovan Mitchell was talking about the other day. And that is get out of the first round. Yeah, but I, th- yeah. I think the positioning of the franchise to succeed in the future is more important. Because you have Donovan Mitchell, and you're building around well, Donovan yeah, Mitchell. Yeah, I know, but, but why waste a season by saying, ah, oh, this year really doesn't care, doesn't matter? I'm sure they don't want to waste a season, and I don't think it would be a waste of a season. But if the, the Jazz were the Lakers, per se, maybe it would be a little different. Right now, you, you what you said earlier is, is right. You can't afford to lose a cornerstone of the franchise for nothing. You also can't afford to give... Uh, that corner of the franchise, uh, the supermax, because he's not good enough to right. to get well, that I, to get that contract. So that's why I agree with that. That's why this is so ticklish. But you can't just say, "Ah, get it done." 
I mean, that's <laughs> there's so. It's well, so are much you going to get it done? Are you not? Are you going to get it done? Or are you not going to get it done? That's the big question, Gordon. Well, the, if, if you're going to get it done, then get it done now. Why wait? Because the number the other party wants is unacceptable. It's not about waiting. That's why I'm saying the timing is not important as the resolution or lack thereof. Yeah, I, I think if you're if you're going to disagree in December, you're going to disagree in January. Oh, I don't think that's yeah. the case. At uh, all. I do. I do. Why? Why? They've, they've been working on this already for a long time. Because things change, and in the negotiations, deadlines matter. What's going to happen in January before the trade deadline? What's What's going to happen that's going to change the way anybody's Maybe thinking? Rudy scores 28 points a game. Maybe Rudy doesn't get along with his teammates. Maybe the, the relationship with Donovan takes a turn for the better or worse. Well, I mean, there's lots Rudy, of stuff Rudy, that can happen. Rudy is not going to score 28 points a game for the reason that we, you and I talked with Locke about this I yesterday. know. I'm being extreme to to prove a point. There's a lot that could happen. And and listen, uh, talk to my wife about negotiation. That's what she does for a living. And there's uh, always a timeline is always a factor. A deadline is always a factor. Take it or leave it stuff. I mean, this stuff takes time. And you have to combine you know, uh, your math with uh, in a pressure cooker, in a sense. Uh, I don't think that's necessary. Of course it's necessary. It's not necessary. Paul George just signed a, a, a max extension. But, I mean, Look at the word you just used, though. Max. Max deals are easy. Max deals, of course, you can say, hey, give that guy the max. If you're giving them all of the money, there's nothing to negotiate. They're not negotiating with Paul George. They just said, hey, Paul, well, we'd like to wanna, give you everything. They might not want to give him the max amount. Then, okay, that's, I, I'm, I'm going, we've got Jordan Pendleton coming up next. Yeah, I know we do. Look, I, I just think that if you can get it done, it, it, you, can, you can come up with, a, with kind of a faux deadline. Say, look, let, we, want, we want you to play here, Rudy, and we want to give you uh, what you deserve financially. Now let's let's get let's get down to brass taxes right now. You know, let's let's cut this this game plan out and let's get where we know you what's your minimum and this is our maximum. And I don't think anything that's gonna happen in the early part of this season is gonna alter that in any way. The Jazz know what he is. They know that. They don't need any more information. And, and Rudy needs to be realistic about this thing. I, I, this is what I need to do. I need to get everybody in a room together and, you know, just put my arm around everybody and say, okay, let's just all just get this done. Let's get I, through these that, I think that would do it. I really do. I think that's exactly what they need to do. Gordon says get it done, so here we go. Uh, no, I want, I want Rudy to be rich. I want Rudy to be rich, and I don't want the Jazz's future to be absolutely compromised by making them too rich. So, okay, let's let's just get this let's get this done. I would pay him one dollar over what anybody else could pay him, and and just call it good. Yeah, what are you going to do? Call up uh, call up the the Hornets. Hey, what would you pay Rudy Gobert? No reason. Well, is, that, I mean, is that how you come to that figure? Let, let, let's call up the Blazers. Hey. What would you pay Rudy Gobert? What's the maximum that they can pay him? Thirty-five percent of the salary cap. Because the, the no, because they can't pay him the supermax. That's that's the max they can pay him, Gordon. No, he means not, other not teams, in other not teams. Oh. Less than that. Less than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that seems like that 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 narrows the window. Well, what if the Jazz aren't comfortable with that? 
What if they do, well, what yeah. if they don't like your figure? If they don't like the one dollar more than what yeah, what else if that's pay? not? I'm what canceling can. our guests today. Uh, Jordan Pendleton's next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and twelve eighty the zone.